Hey, alright. And welcome. Better yet, I'm to Chris, your host. Better yet, is a conversation about music. And my conversation this week is with Tristan Jemsek of Dog Breath. Big time guest this week. Dog Breath is one of the best fans in America. Very excited to be talking to Tristan this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Namdi for our intro music. Marcus Nuccio for our graphics each week. You can see all those on our website, betteryedpod.com. Invite you all to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on Bandcamp, betteryedpodcast.bandcamp.com. Hot pod alert to go along with these hot gigs that we're starting to see pop up. Taking it all in cautiously, but boy, am I excited for the prospect of seeing live music again. But also, hot pod, like hot off the presses, Tristan and I had this conversation on Monday. Much quicker turnaround than usual, but let the backlog clear out. we got a couple of busy weeks ahead, but that's a good thing. Busy is good. Hadley's here, by the way. She's hanging out with me while I do this little intro i've been seeing a lot of busyness on the timelines some of the homies with new album announcements sarah's got a new illuminati hotties record coming out new lucy dacus record both those singles so good a new mannequin pussy on the way too next month that reminds me of something that i've been meaning to do we have a patreon patreon.com Slash Ready Hit Podcast, where we've got some very fun audiovisual programming available to you, including my weekly top five. This week, we discussed a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and that's people who have refused to accept awards. We also have conversations with Dave Garwacki of If You Make It, Kevin Duquette of Top Shelf Records, Bobby Elma of Shinobu, and Fat and Funky. And a whole bunch of extras from the Life's Work podcast about Laura Stevenson's Sit Resist. Plus, we get a weekly contribution from our guests. We got a Thou Live set, playlist from Lucy Dacus and Sarah Tudson, lots of demos, Anika Pyle, Mikey Erg, Sophia of Harmony Wood shared demos with us. And we've got covers from Elise Okusami of Oceanator, Did Rancid's Old Friend, Laura Stevenson doing Can You Please Crawl Out Your Window by Bob Dylan, Jake of Slaughter Beach Dog doing Drunken Angel by Lucinda Williams. And this week, Tristan is sharing with us the demo for a new Dog Breath song off an upcoming LP. The song called How You Did That, which you'll hear us talk about which Teenage Fan Club records the homie's been vibing on. Very apparent on this track. You can pledge $3 a month, and I'll give you access to all the bonus audio and visual content we're posting weekly. But if you pledge $10 a month, you get all that. Plus, every three months, we'll be sending out some cool merchandise, did some custom-printed notebooks, and we got some zines on the way. It's almost done. I'm so excited about the way these things turned out. Now, with our Patreon, we split the revenue from this podcast evenly between the show, the guests, and organizations chosen by our guests this week we'll be sending money to no more deaths no more deaths provides humanitarian aid search and rescue operations and legal aid to migrants refugees 
and residents of Southern Arizona and Northern Mexico. Happy to be helping them out this week. If you want to support them and support the show, go to patreon.com slash better yet podcast. All right. My guest this week is Tristan Jemsek of Dog Breath. Dog Breath is a band that Tristan started originally in his hometown of Phoenix, Arizona during what was an especially fertile time for music in Phoenix. You had HAJ, EG, our old friend Tyler Broderick, episode number 24 of the Better Yet Podcast, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Tyler, of course, of Diners, which Tristan played drums in, and Tyler played bass and later guitar in Dog Breath up until Tristan moved from Phoenix to Seattle right before the release of the third Dog Breath LP, a record called Second Home. Unbelievable record. They were swinging for the fences, knocking that shit out of the park, and somehow, somehow, followed it up with a record that is even better called Ever Loving in 2018. Dog Breath has gone through a lot of evolutions, but the consistency is Tristan, who writes really beautiful, tender rock and roll songs that speak to influences ranging from Bloomington, Indiana, bred folk punk to Springsteen, Tom Petty. I've been a fan for some time now and finally connected with Tristan for a lovely conversation that I am so happy to be sharing with all of you this week. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. Tell a friend we will be back next week. For now, here's me and Tristan Jemsek. Start from yeah. where start from where I said, hold up. We oh, yeah. record this Tristan Jumpsick. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about Bloomington Bloomington, Indiana. And um Yeah, I've always loved that place and almost moved there. It was between Bloomington and Seattle. Mm-hmm. But I was saying how I've always kind of thought of Bloomington and Olympia, Washington as being like kind of like parallel realities just because like they're both small towns that I feel like have way more bands and like scenes of bands than you would Mm -hmm. expect to be in like such a small town. Like uh, there's like, you know, multiple like scenes and, and, and like different like house show venues in this tiny town. And they don't really like cross over that much, Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and I always that, thought that was funny. Like, there's just so many different Olympias and so many different Bloomingtons. Right. Yeah. It's you need a big college and you know a few people that come and then stick around. People like Ginger, and then you got like a bookstore that like famed bookstore in Bloomington that that everybody loves the one with so like much. the record store in the basement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I love that place. It's I I I am excited to go. We've been here for six seven months at this point. I mean we're we're still an hour from Chicago. So right on. It's yeah. still. It, it was funny. I That's went nice. into the city not too long ago to meet up with friends for the first time in quite some time. 
yeah yeah back in under an hour i was like i basically still live in chicago this is great that's awesome yeah yeah that's kind of i mean you know tucson we're like an hour and a half from phoenix Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so it's kind of nice like you know i can go visit old friends you know, over the weekend or whatever. And you seen you seen Tyler lately. You know that when Tyler, our friend Tyler Broderick, came over to do an interview at my house more than four years ago, he left this water bottle. Oh, really? I'm sorry, they left this water bottle. Yeah. And sorry, Tyler. Um, but I've been putting it to good use ever since. Nice. That's One day great. I'll give it back. But... <laughs> oh, I love that. I I I have a water bottle somewhere. That my friend Ray left in uh, my old van after a tour. Mm-hmm. Ray, who who lives here in, in Tucson, but at the time uh, I was in Seattle and he like flew up to do a tour and left it in my van. And so I've had it ever since. I probably should give it back to him now that I'm here in Tucson. But I've gotten so attached to it, you know. <laughs> You're back in the state. So yeah. you grew up in in that area, right? In Phoenix? Yeah, I grew up in Phoenix. Yeah. Your folks still live in there? Uh, my mom is, yeah. My dad is in Prescott. Where's that? Prescott is, um, oh, it's about an hour and a half uh, northwest. Okay. Of, uh, yeah, it's kind of, well, it's not exactly in between Phoenix and Flagstaff. It's like further west, I guess. But yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of cool. How I don't know. It's it like, there? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, my my dad and I. Um, I guess it's yeah. I don't know. It's kind of complicated. Like long, com- yeah, yeah like good. yeah, good, yeah. He, he, yeah. He wasn't around when I was a kid, and um, kind of got more in touch with him as an adult. But um, yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. How's your How's your mom doing? She good? I hope so. I haven't talked to her in, in oh, years. Geez. So, right. I, yeah. Right. Sorry, I I kind of oh, have uh, complicated, um, yeah, relationships with uh, my parents. You got siblings. Yeah. Your, your brother played in bands, right? I have a younger brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in Phoenix. He, he's doing well. Still keeping touch with him regularly he's got a fun discogs page oh really yeah nice i I, you know i don't know anything about discogs you don't know anything about discogs no i don't i i know it's like you post your collection and you can do like wish lists and stuff yeah something like that or just a way to see what it's interesting that you don't know much about discogs because you i i read so much of your press recently and you love craigslist or <laughs> you had a Craigslist phase, is what it sounds like. Right. No, that's true. Discogs yeah. is wonderful. You can you can buy people's records or CDs or tapes, just whatever rabbit hole you want to go down. You can buy stuff. I mean, you 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 know how that stuff goes. It's like yeah, totally. Have shit that's super overpriced. Right. Um, the other day, I got a Lou Barlow tape. For four dollars, wow! Yeah, early. What project? It was for Centrido. Centrido, nice. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. 
I have some old uh, seven inches of his that, that a friend lent me years and years ago that I still need to give back. <laughs> but a bunch, yeah, a, a bunch of old like yeah, full complosion and centrado and yeah, all that stuff. That stuff's so cool. Those, those full complosion records are like accidentally great. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I uh, yeah, haven't really listened to any of. Lou Barlow's stuff in a while now, but I've gone through a few phases over the years. I I got to see Sebado on their tour for their I think their last studio album. Yeah. Like twenty fifteen or something. Mm-hmm. They were great. Also a good record. Yeah. 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 I remember liking that. Liking that stuff. Um but no, yeah, I you know, I I I'm a big VHS collector. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if I should even say I'm a collector because my 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 collection isn't super curated, you know. Like I feel like to be a collector, you kind of focus on mm-hmm. you know like only taking in like rare tapes or like tapes that like fit a certain sort of style or aesthetic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of like, ho- like horror collectors in, in the VHS world or like sci-fi or something. I kind of just have a little bit of everything and it's not focused at all. Like I just got like a, a hall of tapes from a free, po- free pile the other day, a free Craigslist and, uh, you know, just all over the place. Like, a couple like cool old like big box like horror movies but th- but then like i think i got like hope floats you know and like <laughs> like like with with sandra bullock and and like a tape on like sugar gliders that's all to say that i think of myself more as a vhs hoarder <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i've kind of been like casually trying to hone my collection a little bit more over the years and you know, distill it to the essentials and to like cool tapes, but it's, it's very like, I have some cool tapes. Like I I have a copy of Brink, which up until recently, it was like more original movie starring Eric Von Detten as Andy Brink Brinker. That's the one. And speak in my language up until recently, a copy of that, um, on VHS would go for like hundred, 150 bucks. Um, because those like Disney Channel original movies never got a DVD release. Uh-huh. So up until the uh, release of Disney Plus, the only way you could watch it would be finding a VHS copy. And that movie, as apparently you know, is a really special movie that has a cult following. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that up until Disney Plus was like my most valuable tape. But now you can just watch it on the app. <laughs> I know. But I also have uh, My Date with the President's Daughter, which is another one of those. Yeah, another great one. For yeah. Eric Matthews is in that movie. Yeah. We were watching something recently where um, the guy who plays the president in that movie was, yeah. and I was like, well, he he also, of course, played the president on My Date with the President's Daughter. Yeah. Great theme song too to that movie president by the president of the United, United States, States of yeah. America. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're good. I like you. 
I have a really special memory of that movie, actually, um, with Tyler from mm-hmm. Diner. We were on Diner's tour. It was actually the continuation of that tour that we were on where they did the interview with you. Mm-hmm. I, I joined on the second leg because mm-hmm. um, when Tyler talked with you, that was during, I think, the leg with like Kippy Gooley was also on the bill. Mm-hmm. And I did like the second half with uh, Chris Farron. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had a night off in Philly and it was actually election night, 2016. And we were, we were staying at our friend's house Mm -hmm. and we all popped in my date with the president's daughter. And I mean, we were all just so stressed out Mm -hmm. about, you know, the election and everything. And it it was so fun watching that movie. And, uh, also very surreal because oh, the, the next day we woke up and <laughs> found out that Trump won or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I'll always remember that. <laughs> always have that association with that movie. <laughs> day after my, uh, my good friend and I uh, went and got Air Force One tattoos. Oh, wow. A plane that says, get off my plane. So... <laughs> You and I cool. both connected to actors who portrayed the president <laughs> on that in, in during the, that week, that yeah. first full week of 2016. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 let me ask you: uh, in, when you were growing up, uh, was there music in the house? How were you get? How did you get into music? Um, yeah. Well, let's see. I mean always just really connected with music. Um, like some of my earliest happy memories are of like watching like this old Raffi VHS. Remember Raffi, the kid singer, you know, with the beard, the acoustic baby beluga banana phone. So I had like two VHS tapes of Raffi that, uh, I just loved and would just watch over and over and over again. And, um, we'd grab like a tennis racket and like pretend it was a guitar and pretend I was playing along with it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was like, you know, four or five years old. Um, so just always just immediately connected with music. And then, um, yeah, you know, uh, was totally encouraged, to, to, to learn music too. Like my mom got me piano lessons at a very young age, my mom and my brother. Um, so, you know, I started learning piano when I was like six or seven years old and got really into, you know, I got really into it and, um, kept playing piano for up until I was like 13 or 14. Yeah. At that point I was getting more interested in guitar and like rock music but when I was a kid, I loved classical music. I loved like Chopin and like stuff like that, like yeah. sad classical music. I just always loved it. Um, I've been getting into classical music too, but it's more of the like beginning of the 20th century. Just, you know, whoever's, whoever's hitting the keyboard like this. Boom, boom, oh, that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> Satie. Like, and, like uh, Schoenberg. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. guy's cool. He is cool. He's a weirdo too. Yeah, definitely. I think I like I like reading shit that he has to say about music as much mm-hmm. as I like listening or yeah. yeah, listening to his stuff. Right. That's kind of how I feel about Frank Zappa. Yeah. Uh, totally. Like uh-huh. and I'm 
I'm very often like just kind of like I roll my eyes at like the grumpy things that Frank Zappa had to say, but he also had some really cool things to say too. Mm. And like I, I kind of connect with that more than a lot of his music, although I do like some of it a lot. But anyway, yeah. So uh, but yeah, piano. Then around twelve or thirteen, you know, I was started getting into um, grunge and new metal. You know, mm-hmm. um, just started listening to, you know, rock radio totally. and it's like late nineties, you know, and I'm just, <laughs> just totally connected with, you know, bands like disturbed and <laughs> Nirvana, and Godsmack and Chicago boys, Metallica, uh-huh. disturbed. Yeah. I think the Chicago right. boys, right? Nice. Yeah, he was bald. Yeah. David Draymond. Right. I have a, like a really fun memory of seeing Disturbed at um, Ozfest uh-huh. 2004 because it was I went because it was System of a Down's like final tour mm-hmm. was that was that year's Ozfest uh, I'm a huge System of a Down fan still am um, and uh, yeah so I got to see Hatebreed Disturbed and Avenged Sevenfold at that at that year's oh. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, Disturbed were so funny. Uh, they, that guy was like, he, he kept just talking about, just really praising the audience for supporting like real rock music, and he uh, he, he was just like talking about how how much he hated like as he called it like you know skinny jeans rock music i think it was just like dissing like the strokes and like bands like that yeah yeah but um the jeans anyway. only got skinnier yeah 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 from, <laughs> from disturbed and like you know his pants were pretty tight i think he had some tight like leather pants on yeah so i don't but, know i mean that's, <laughs> those are tight leather pants those not <laughs> levi's yeah, yeah. so when did you start going to shows in, in Phoenix? Because Phoenix, I, I've always just, like, admired the, you know, the crop of, of weirdos who kind of came together and, and started making music down there. Yeah. Um, around 2003 or four, I think I started going to shows. Um, I started going when I was pretty young, when I was around 16. My first job um, was a cool job. I was working at this food co-op in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, just like the college town i would like ride the bus an hour like there and back um three days a week i was like the janitor <laughs> like three or four hour shifts i would just like go an hour before close and take out the trash and mop mm-hmm. the floors um just because it was a really special place that was kind of like you know, a hub of the community there in, in Tempe um, for years and years. It had been there since the seventies. Mm-hmm. It, it's since been bulldozed. And now there's like a whole foods at the bottom of loft apartments. Um, but, How it goes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but it was a really special place and, you know, just everyone went there like from like old hippies to like cool, like, anarchist bike punks and just random people and just weird people. Um, and they had music there. They had all kinds of stuff. There was like an organic garden, like across the parking lot. It's where like, I just, yeah, I, I started volunteering there when I was like 15 just cause I was, so I was homeschooled 
mm-hmm. and just very awkward and lonely and just wanted to feel like a part of anything yeah. and like found out about the co-op and just really gravitated towards towards it and volunteered there for about a year and then when i turned 16 i got that job and uh my supervisor john grissetta bless his heart wherever he is uh lost lost touch with him sadly but he's just like uh really cool like older like grunger like hippie guy that like would just like burn me cds he loves music all kinds of music and he was just like he turned me on to like weird prog music uh like indie stuff like all 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 kinds of stuff and he he was aware of like some of like the shows happening in downtown phoenix at like Mm -hmm. the art galleries um so he took me to like my first show um like local show yeah. And uh, it was at this place called the Ox, like spelled like A-U-X, like pass me the Ox, you know? Um, and uh, it's like three bands um, that were just all over the place, just weird bands, mm. art rock bands. And there was like five people there. And perfect. I was just like, this is, yeah, I was like, this is amazing. Like, like people making weird music and it felt like, wow, like, cause my brother and I had been, uh, I'll back up a little bit. Like my brother and I started getting into writing our own songs and music, like a, a, a few years prior to that, mm-hmm. we were getting really into like weird Al Yankovic and like, they might be giants and like weird stuff like that. And my brother learned the accordion. Um, and I would yeah. learn, learn the drums and we, uh, kind of like came up with our own band and started writing our own like joke songs and parody songs like Weird Al or like, like learning like Clash and Sex Pistols and Who, Who Covers and things uh-huh. like that. Um, so we had this band that was just kind of like, you know, in our minds for years. And so like going to that show and like finding out that there are these like tiny places that, will like let your band play whether or not anyone's there <laughs> was just so exciting. It's like, wow, like, like, like this is something we could do, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it just kind of was so exciting. Just discovering this, this world that uh, I didn't know existed in my city. When you mention when you mention parody songs, um, something pops in a, in my head because I'm listening to your records, getting ready for this, and like even listening to Chucky and just being like, you know, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but you're you're a good songwriter. Yeah, I think you were a good songwriter then too. Um, do you think? I guess my my theory is that. Uh, doing parody songs has a has a real way of kind of teaching you how to just write a song would you is there anything to that would you say yeah totally you know yeah i've never thought about that but it makes sense you know just just getting into a song so much that 
just kind of turning it inside out. And, mm. um, I guess to like, yeah, to do a parody, you really have to like, you know, like, you know, the rhyme scheme really well. And, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Or even like style parodies too. Um, mm-hmm. cause a lot of what Weird Al did, like, not only did he like parody existing songs, he would write new songs made to sound like, uh, like a certain band, you know, like dare to be stupid is like a Devo parody, but it's an original song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's just kind of like, uh, you have to, you have to be a nerd for songs to be able to do song parodies. I think mm-hmm. to, to just have that sort of intimate knowledge of what gives a song its, its own personality and life. Also like, you know, chord changes that you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily go there. Yeah. Until you see it just like in practice. Right. Yeah. Totally. So, and, and, and you kind of, you immerse yourself pretty quickly Right. I think he, you said something. Yeah. Like you were playing in like 10 bands when you started Dog Breath. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't go to school. <laughs> so all I did was kind of uh, do bands. And I mean that literally, like, like I uh, just didn't go to school, just kind of slipped through the cracks there. Like, yeah. Dog Breath's kind of your, uh, your songwriting project. Yep. More or mm-hmm. less. Right. And, yeah. Now I gotta, I have to address this because if I don't, I'm gonna hear about it. They'll, uh-huh. they'll eat me alive if I don't. It's it's not a replacements reference. Oh right, no, it's not. I hadn't really gotten into the replacements yet when I um, came up with the name. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I got into the replacements actually on kind of like the first Dog Breath tour with um my friends bands ihi and make a bog we did like a two-month tour in the summer of 2010 yeah a very formative tour for me in so many ways um and yeah uh, one of those was getting into tim they played tim mm-hmm. uh replacements album tim and i was like wow this is so good you know and i i i'd actually heard a few of the songs um uh covered by my friend Steven Steinbrink and his whole project French quarter. He, he did covers of, um, little mascara and, um, uh, my favorite thing. Yeah. Um, those are two good. Yeah. Good levels. Yeah. Everybody knows that those songs, but not everybody covers them. Yeah. I'm not sure. They, They might be hard to find, but they might be on the the internet somewhere, but they're worth searching for beautiful covers of both those songs, like very stripped down, like just beautiful acoustic covers of them. But, um, yeah. So no, I just kind of, uh, before dog breath, the band name for my songwriting was Gilmore girls. Mm -hmm. And before that it was Uggamugga. And both of those names are like pop culture references, and uh, oh, oh and, and Bangarang was another one. 
Uggamugga is, is from Mr. Rogers neighborhood, oh, the land of yeah. make believe. It was like, um, the Eskimo kiss, mm-hmm. um, between Daniel Striper Tiger and Lady Aberlin. Mm-hmm. It would say Uggamugga and Eskimo kiss. Um, <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I just kind of wanted a name that wasn't a reference to anything. Mm-hmm. So it's unavoidable. Yeah. right yeah and then people think it's a replacement reference so Mm -hmm. it's all good um dude i love that band ee oh right on i could only imagine going on tour with ee yeah i yeah yeah i was playing in the band at the time um yeah yeah uh zach is one of my very best friends oldest friends so yeah it's a good yeah yeah, great band. Um, yeah, you know it, it. It's funny talking about Bloomington when we when we started off. Yeah, thing because I sent uh, Chucky to a friend of mine, and I was like, "You'll like this. It's it's kind of like Toby Foster made a southwestern <laughs> record." Uh-huh. And I mean that that shit's in there. Am I right? That Planet Planet X stuff is definitely in the fabric of the the early yeah, songs you're writing totally yeah i i i met toby um back when i was doing Agamaga. um we did like like a uh, a few shows with toby foster and a drum in an open window in arizona we did like three or four shows with them oh. on their tour um but yeah totally it's in there for sure i grew up Loving, you know, like Good Luck, um, Maddie Popchart, you know, Kimi Dawson, Paul Baraboo, all that stuff. Yeah. It was, yeah. That was a special time. Like, the, yeah. the records that those people were making were, and I saw Toby Foster in my friend's dorm room. He played a song. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was fucking incredible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What an incredible songwriter Toby is. Yeah, really. Um, so Chucky, you went, you went viral, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it was a wild ride <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Just somebody hit that algorithm right, huh? I guess, yeah, yeah. So, um, a, a kid here in Arizona, actually, in in, uh, in Phoenix, um, picked a, a used copy of it up at uh, Zia Records, mm-hmm. like the like the big used record store here in Arizona. There's a bunch of them around. Uh, a record store I I went to as a kid, um, and yeah, she picked up the CD just based on the artwork and the song titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is wild. I didn't know kids still like went to, you know, like record stores and just like picked up random stuff, um, to just check out. And, uh, (laughs) yet, um, recorded a reaction video and and posted it to TikTok. She really liked it. And, um, yeah, the, that reaction video was just very, just sweet and funny and excited. And, um, it kind of just took off and people resonated with it, I guess. And yeah, it was, it was <laughs> very surreal. Uh, yeah. I, 
it, it was uh, it was back in November. I was like working at the coffee shop I work at, and just kind of glanced at Instagram and saw that oh, there's like a bunch of random people are following me right now. What's that microphone? Oh, oh yeah. Hey. Oh, sorry. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I didn't think that much of it. Then like an hour later, my friend Kaylee in, in Seattle texts me and she's like, Tristan, like, have you seen this video on TikTok? Like it's kind of blowing up or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's how I became aware of it. And then, yeah, for the, the next few days, it just kind of, there was just this wave of, just like new followers and people messaging me like put it on Spotify and you know, put your music so good. Spotify. Put it on spot. No, it wasn't on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it, 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 it is this album from 10 years ago this year that, you know, I, uh, I like it. I liked it then, but kind of, I don't know. Um, these kids put it out on their label that doesn't exist anymore. And they made like way too many of them back then. <laughs> Cause it was just a little bit cheaper to make like 2000 than it was to make 500, you know? Right. Right. Um, so I just, I've had boxes and boxes of the CD, you know, uh, so just, just carrying, carrying them around for years, just uh-huh. stashing them under my bed or whatever. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just never that motivated to like put it on streaming, you know, because I'm just always, I mean, I, I'm always just mostly interested in like whatever the next thing is, Yeah, you know, like I get not, not that I like hate my old music, but I, I'm just usually not that interested in retroactively. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. So yeah. So just, you know, it hasn't been on, on like a priority to put the older albums on streaming, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, until that happened. So <laughs> did you, do did you think you gained any like new perspective on just reimmersing yourself in listening to it just based on what, what's going on? Um, you mean like new perspective sure like you, since, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going, you're, you've probably listened to it more, you know, since then than you had yeah. six, seven years prior. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Listening to it now, it's like, um, I'm so far removed from it. It's, it's less embarrassing than it was like five years ago, yeah. you know, because enough time has passed where like, it's like, Oh, like, like I was young then, you know? So of course I'm going to like write some embarrassing lines or like, like do some things that I, you know, think of as corny now, but it's, it's more like, yeah, I'm just uh, further removed so I can just uh, not be too bothered by that. Um, Yeah. I'm just struck now when I listen to it by how, how much faster everything is. Uh-huh. Like if I have like somehow gone from like writing fast music to mid tempo music mm-hmm. and, uh, but then, yeah, just like just feeling the energy that comes along with like playing fast yeah. and how exciting it is, you know? So it's kind of like, it's, yeah, it's been nice. Like checking back in on like, wow, like, like maybe I should try and like write some faster songs and like, 
not to like recreate the past, but to just stay connected to that, that energy, you know, the, uh, the lineup, the, the old revolving door yeah. lineup. Um, I mean, Tyler's there pretty consistently. Um, yeah. How did you, I'm sure that you met Tyler just going to shows, but I mean, you're also, you know, consistently on those diners records, at least when you're right. living in Arizona. Yeah. What's it? Yeah. I met Tyler it? on MySpace. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I, I listened back to, um, your interview with, uh, Tyler, um, one of my one of my early favorites. It's a fun I'm interview. So excited to talk to Tyler. Those records, yeah. Still, I mean, I've I've looked like kind of been listening to him a lot this past week too. They're so nice. fucking good. They're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I laughed because um, when Tyler was talking about how we met, Tyler said that I messaged them on MySpace. <laughs> But it was definitely the other way around. They definitely like <laughs> hit me up for a show. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Um, and I wish MySpace still existed so I could go look back. But um, yeah, uh, at, at any rate, met them on MySpace and um, booked their first show. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, there. Uh, it was Tyler's first band, Hello the Mind Control. Uh-huh. And um, they were amazing. Uh, even back then, Tyler has always been such a great songwriter. Um, really sweet songs back then. And um, the, yeah, their drummer was 14 years old. <laughs> it's like the youngest band I think I had ever, ever seen play Trunk Space. Yeah. Up, up to that point. Um, what, yeah, like one of them was playing like a seven string guitar, I think. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> I like how over the years that, that um even though like the lineup has always kind of been changing, mm-hmm. um, there are just kind of like consistent collaborators over the years. I like to think of it as like a family band and um or like I I like to use the like the bench analogy, like from like sports, like from basketball, like, oh, you know, we got our uh you know like got Cesar on the bench, you know, to do a tour, you know, to, <laughs> uh, if, you know, if like the starter, the starter bass player can't do a tour or whatever, I'll go to the bench and yeah. just, you know, I've just been so lucky to just be able to have a, just got a bunch of Ray Allen. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. A bunch of Ray Allen's. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and Cesar too, let me real quick music yeah. for lovers. And fat yeah. funky, y'all. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful record. I love too. Second home when it's you and Tyler's playing guitar, Cesar's playing guitar. Yeah, all just mm-hmm. freaking ripping the entire <laughs> time. Yeah, playing with uh, Cesar and Tyler um, really like pushed me to get better at guitar and like yeah. think about guitar in. in um, different ways like terms of like how to fit parts into songs that is like you know in like a tasteful way um and uh 
yeah yeah that friendship that musical friendship was just i think so uh uh formative for me and 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 really just being around them and playing with them made me such a better player mm-hmm. and composer that was a great lineup for that band too i think that there's a real magic to that record and i think that time for your songwriting and you know i could go on (laughs) yeah thanks yeah yeah no i think so too um yeah that record it took so long to release um which i think will always i don't know yeah like i remember we were touring a lot um playing those songs before it was out like like we did like a two-month tour opening for ajj and the set was mostly those songs Mm -hmm. but then like we weren't able to release the album for like another two years after that and i was (laughs) like just because i yeah i don't even really remember why i just always had trouble putting music out uh fast i don't know like like (laughs) there's always like some kind of like financial reason like oh like i just can't afford to like get it mixed right now or people like come in in and out of the band or whatever it's always something but yeah i don't know yeah like like that record like we started uh um, working on it, like as we were like transitioning drummers, it's like two of those songs, like I'm playing drums on Mm -hmm. and and, like the rest, um, my friend Celeste play drums on. So anyway, yeah. And, and did you, you move like it was close to done and then you end up moving? Oh, right. Yeah. That was the other thing. Yeah. I, it, finally came out after i had moved so yeah there's like a lot of it was just a wild transitional time like i guess like um my friend aaron who was in the band for a long time aaron ranch like she and i were like breaking up Mm. we were together for five or six years maybe seven years um so that was you know very it was rough and sad and um like you know we were still trying to play together in the band but it was just so difficult Mm -hmm. uh for us all to navigate and then like i was living in flagstaff for a while like just out of my van oh wow um and then how long about six months six or seven months i had a, a job in flagstaff um but i never was able to find a room. So I was just crashing on friends' couches or in my van. Uh-huh. Um, and I was still paying rent in Phoenix actually. Cause I was able to just pay like a hundred dollars a month to have a room at funny world. So this house venue in, in Phoenix. So uh-huh. sometimes like, you know, if, if I would have a few days off from the coffee shop I was working at and I didn't feel like 
roughing it in my van or on a couch, I would just drive down to Phoenix and just <laughs> crash in that room uh-huh. <laughs> and then <laughs> drive back up when I had to work again. It was a weird time. Yeah. It was, it, I, I was kind of in a haze. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, um, I don't, I, I, it makes a lot of sense. I think with some of the songs that you were writing at that time, um, you know, it's, there's so much joy, I think just in your music in, in general, you have, and I get this from talking to you too, is that there's, um, there's an appreciation for just like the art and being a part of it. And those songs just contain that like childlike thing that I Mm -hmm. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about, but, um, you know, fucking cups and wrappers, like the chorus in that is just like, (laughs) Oh, here's like the biggest triumph. And then also just cutting the feet out from underneath you. Right. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That's some, that's some heavy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Who are you listening to at that time? That's like, that's the thing that, that's like a needle that only like Bruce can thread. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, that's funny. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen, uh, a lot of classic rock, you know, Thin Lizzy, obviously with the guitar minis, you know, mm-hmm. that, that came straight from, from Thin Lizzy um, and just loving that kind of stuff. And um Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Um, big fan he, of that yeah, stuff. He writes, the, he writes those songs that are just like, let me sing a little yeah. saddest shit. Yeah, definitely. And then a lot of, you know, our contemporaries at the time, that, like, you know, like Waxahachie, mm-hmm. you know, um, Cerulean Salt was coming out around that time. And I was, mm-hmm. just loved those songs. And, hop along and yeah. um let's see what else well that song i mean cups and rappers it's, it seems like there is an on purpose replacements reference in there oh so unsatisfied or is that oh just happened to, oh come on i can't be Maybe. the first person who said that you are you really <laughs> are that's funny yeah um no that wasn't on purpose that's so funny but yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely like, yeah, that was in there for sure. Um, and a lot of, um, my peers in Phoenix and Arizona, yeah. um, there's a band, um, well, I guess, yeah, there was a band in Flagstaff called dragons that is like, the 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 best band from Arizona that I don't think anyone really knows outside of Arizona. There's like a select few that know about Dragons, but it's like mm-hmm. you know, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Right. Like just yeah, they made four albums. Um, we actually did a split with them too, and I wish I wish I liked the songs that we did better for the split because their songs are amazing. We did like two songs each. 
but um yeah uh, all their albums are on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. um check those out they're incredible um yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you, you you had reasons to leave um you end up in seattle were were you always thinking that you were going to keep going with the project or was there thought that you might be done? Yeah. So, um, pretty much. So after that second home lineup ended or I moved, um, I was kind of always in my head or, or very often in my head about, about that. Like, you know, do I reform it and keep playing a stock breath or do we just start a new band? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, ultimately I, yeah, I don't know. just decided to just keep going with the band name mostly because I wanted to keep playing a lot of those songs. I still felt really attached to those songs and, um, it had already been, you know, uh, the, the lineup had already changed a few times. So I was just kind of resigned to like, well, it's like just one of those bands where it's me and, and my friends, like, uh, a lot of my friends' bands were kind of like, like that, like he yeah. has always yeah. been my friend Zach and then, you know, his friends or whatever. So I, I had some, some peers that, um, were kind of role models for that. Um, but I did always sort of envy that, you know, my friends' bands that were able to kind of keep, um, keep at the same lineup forever. Or if a, a certain lineup has to end, then they would just start over and call it a new band, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've just never been able to bring myself to let go of it, I guess. And maybe it's my, it's my inner hoarder or something. Like I can't <laughs> get rid of all my old VHS tapes. <laughs> I can't let go of those old songs. I, it, it's funny. My, um, my dad texted me yesterday. We're every musical thing that I've inherited is from him and he keeps up and he's like, uh, He's like, hey, Bonnie Prince Billy, like, where do I, 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 can't, I just can't keep up. And I'm like, just go to this Palace Brothers record, the second one or whatever. Uh, one before Viva La Blast Blues. Viva La Blast Blues? Yeah. And, yeah. And it's like, just, it, it can be tough. It can be the tough. The one with like the, like the cheetah person on the cover? No, that's Viva La. That's Viva yeah. Viva. Uh, the one with the... Uh, it, it's like the uh, the picture that's kind of like mm-hmm. the really dark picture of someone's yeah, face. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Love that record. I do too. I wish I remember yeah. the name of it, but um, yeah. but you know, someone like that from the outside, it's like people are intimidated just by like I don't know how to follow it. I don't know how to follow along. Just keep the fucking name. Dog. right it's good. yeah it's yeah good. yeah i think i definitely would have changed it but I, I i was lucky enough to have people in my ear kind of you know because i would just like ask people's advice or just like you know 
what's your read on this? You know, do you think I should keep, keep doing it? Or it, it gets complicated when, you know, you have other people in the band, like contributing songs. Yeah. You know, um, especially like now. On, Cause what is like, what, Bill's got, yeah, Bill has songs, right? three songs on never loving. Yeah. 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 Three good ones. Too. One of, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the best songs on that record, but definitely like the, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, anyway, yeah. So that kind of muddies the waters a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like it because I think that there's a fun, there's a fun narrative that you, you get to like put together as a listener where, second home it's like this is this is the one where he goes guitar crazy there's right all of right those, yeah you know, guitar mm-hmm. minis um, yeah but you don't do that again on the mm-hmm. next one even though fucking not as much like, but a little bit much but like the guitars on ever loving sound fucking insanely good <laughs> thank you took my time yeah. Like, oh yeah wait that shit comes in yeah that thing uh the the sound on like the lead like the lead guitar on in the beginning and the end the lead melody we put it through this really just wild looking janky contraption that was built by carl blau oh um uh, anything built by long time. Yeah, yeah. Long time DIY. You like and, you and Tyler freaky weirdo, a um, legend. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, he, uh, built this plate reverb unit out of this long sheet of copper, <laughs> this like rectangle, <laughs> this <laughs> rectangular hunk of copper, like hanging from this frame, this wooden frame that he built. It looks like he just took branches that he found out in the woods and just nailed it together and hung this piece of copper and stuck a few contact mics to it mm-hmm. and called it a reverb unit. Um, he built it for an album, a, a Your Heartbreaks album that yeah. was um, recorded like a few months before at this studio called the unknown That's your heartbreaks were, were in there a little bit before uh it's in anacortis washington oh okay yeah so it's like um it's like a harbor little, little harbor town it was built by phil elbrum who does the microphones in mount erie oh, wow. uh, in this old uh catholic church really amazing studio everything uh, you've said in the last like <laughs> minute and 30 seconds it's just like oh yeah of course phil built a right. studio in an old church of course uh-huh. carl built a fucking <laughs> yeah. weird ass plate reverb it's funny that you mentioned plate reverb i did a a podcast about laura stevenson's album sit resist uh today's a 10-year anniversary oh wow awesome the uh, producer of that guy named Eric Bennett and he found a plate reverb just like in the trash <laughs> out in front of his friend's house that he just like took and they made heavy use of that plate reverb. Wow. So my two my two like uh interactions with people talking about a plate reverb, both of them are just hilarious. 
Yeah. One from the trash and the other just <laughs> like together. Yeah. I just love imagining him working on it like at like one in the morning in the garage, like while his wife and kids are sleeping, you know, <laughs> it's like this really manic looking project. So but we ran, just like, yeah, ran a lead through that. We Yeah. Ran a lead through it somehow just like plugged into like an overdrive and then into that and then into maybe direct into the board or through an amp. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. gave it a really unique sound. Oh, that's, um, so, that's so dope. We had so much fun, like just experimenting with uh, recording guitars forever loving. Um, we, Oh, sorry. Uh, be careful of my microphone here. Um, we, uh, yeah, spent five days there, uh, and camped in the studio, um, which was so fun. That was like the longest, uh, I had spent on a, like a recording session up to that point. It felt yeah. so luxurious to be, it's like not even that long, really. Like oh, some bands, read, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Three to 33 and a third. And, and someone says five days, it's like, all right, we gotta, we gotta, right. we don't have time to do anything over again. Right. Yeah. It, it, no, but to me, it was like, wow, we, we have so much time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we like built this, we'll just put together this wall of amps. We like hooked up all these amps and um, every guitar part is going through like three or four different amps, like with different settings. Mm. And it, it kind of made it sort of a nightmare to mix, I think, for my friend Deets that mixed it. But uh-huh. um, just kind of like the burden of plenty, you know, like, like you know, we have like, one amp with a lot of chorus on it, one amp that's really distorted, one amp that's really clean. Um, so, uh, ultimately, like, I think we were able to like create some really beautiful blends, but, uh, next time I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, just setting it and forgetting it (laughs) more simple, but, um, it was fun to kind of just, so were uh, you, get really indulgent. Were you taking all of those separately and then mixing them together, or were you just choosing one and going with that one? A little bit of both. I kind of depending can't really on. Really, just choose one, right? You're yeah, gonna have, you're going to get bleed, right? There's yeah. Um, I think most of the guitar tracks ended up being like blends of the amps. Like just, you know, you want this part to be a little bit more shimmery. We'll like, you know, bring up the jazz chorus a little bit on on the mix or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty fun way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just leaning into that sort of jangly, jangly sound. Yeah. It's jangle, but it's like, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot more tone to it, I guess, in, in the like, you know, slightly overdriven, but very clean sounding. It's a, it's a really beautiful yeah. sounding record. Thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, the, the idea was to make it more beautiful sounding. I think like a lot of what we were listening to at the time was like teenage fan clubs, like mid period albums, like oh, songs from Britain. Northern Britain and uh, Grand Prix and and they have that really beautiful like overdriven sparkly guitar. Um, the guitars on that record sounds so good. Also, my yeah. sister just interviewed um, 
not Norman, the other guitar player. Raymond? Raymond. And I helped her with that interview through gritted teeth. (laughs) I was like, well, why don't you ask him how they're going to make a good new record without Gerard? (laughs) I know, right? That's, yeah. (laughs) Here I am like, oh, you know, yeah, I could just keep the band going with different people. But then like, yeah, you know. (laughs) But like, don't look back. But it's different with club. Those, were, the, oh my god those four forever on, so oh, everything on uh grand prix just sounds so warm mm-hmm. it's unbelievable definitely yeah yeah very very inspirational um i i i felt like you know walk you again to me, that song just feels like Arizona. It's an interesting piece because it's obviously <laughs> missing um, a pup and right. uh, and a place, and yeah. to just have the form like really just sound so southwestern is. I mean, was, that was the that's cool. I'm guessing. Yeah, that was one of the oldest songs on yeah. the batch. Yeah, so I wrote that when I was still in Phoenix. Um, it's a, I, I think it's an interesting like companion to second home cause it's second home is like you're on your way out and mm-hmm. never loving a lot of those songs are just like, here I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That line that you have at the beginning of, um, on the first song, the old keys. Yeah. I, I took them off my old chain and just, just threw them away. Yeah, that's <laughs> like damn. Hold on to keys, like yeah, apartments that I moved out of six. Uh huh. I still have some keys. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and my good friend Josh Redman. I was kind of thinking of him too. Mm. Not- notorious for this, really just comically, just stacked keychain just so many old keys <laughs> i, I kind of feel like it turned into a bit <laughs> after a while oh yeah I love that. Um, I don't know. I think that that record and like that lineup, y'all, y'all really put something special together. I don't, dude. I like your record so much. It's kind thank of you. like thank you. What it what it comes down to. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that means a lot. Yeah. How's it been uh, for you? I mean, I guess does moving. I'm sure throws you off a lot from your, Mm -hmm. from your routine. Are you, are you doing good these past few months or like, you know, since you moved back to, to Tempe, you, you've been right or uh, Tucson, Tucson. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel really good. I feel like I've kind of settled into a, a good routine here. Um, yeah, um, 
been lucky to settle into a nice job um, at a really sweet local coffee shop here that um, love everyone I work with. And we kind of um, came up with a really kind of like the safest setup we could come up with like mm-hmm. during COVID, like just kind of, we've essentially been a walk-up window. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been really nice. And um, yeah, my girlfriend Frankie and I um, found like a, just a nice, pretty cheap house to live in. I have a couple dogs here and um, yeah, I definitely feel a lot healthier than I did in, in, in Seattle the past few years in Seattle, I just kind of got very, very depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just for a variety of reasons and yeah, just, just kind of been rebuilding, I guess yeah. here in, in Tucson, just kind of rebuilding and, um, yeah, uh, found like a really good therapist. Um, which has been great. It, uh, it's my third therapist now. And, uh, you know, the uh, first two tries at it, like just weren't very good at all. And I, I just encourage anyone, you know, like if, you know, it, take your time finding the right, the right person, you know? <laughs> um, I've been so. it off since then. <laughs> yeah. I, I fell off during COVID too, which is, probably when i needed it the most <laughs> yeah yeah a little uh i don't know i still feel like i'm coming down to earth right um, yeah i i really really am, am glad that we had the chance to talk and um yeah i can't wait to hear whatever it is that comes next from you Thanks. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, release new music. Been kind of chipping away at a record for a little while now. So, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It. It's been really fun. All right, folks, check out Dog Breath online. Dog Breath, no A like Megadeth. Dog Breath. Dot bandcamp.com, better yet, pod.com, better yet, podcast.bandcamp.com. Pleasure show on Patreon, patreon.com slash better yet podcast. We will see you next week. Thank you, friends. <laughs>